Morning, everyone. Welcome once again to Chatham Community Church. Glad y'all are here. Happy New Year's Eve Day. The appropriate, the appropriate reference, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, my name is Jaime. I'm one of the pastors here at Chatham Community Church, and I'm specifically assigned here to the Pittsburgh campus, and it's great to be with you all here this morning. Um, this is a, an interesting day for me because for years uh, I've had uh, sort of a hate-hate relationship with New Year's resolutions. So it's always an awkward day for me because people tend to ask questions about it, and I've just been a stalwart anti-New Year's resolution guy. In fact, if you were to ask me what my New Year's resolution is, it's to have people quit talking about New Year's resolutions. Um, I talk about it as being gimmicky and seeing as how statistically most people give up on their resolutions a few weeks into the year, it just feels like a lot of bluster for not a lot of result. But in the last few years, I've been reconsidering my position and I find myself now begrudgingly having to say that I have a hate-love relationship with New Year's resolutions. I still don't like all the things that I already said and probably a few more, but I've started to appreciate the significance of coming into a year with hope, coming into a year with a sense of hope, some dreams, and a sense of agency and resolve to see some things come to pass, right? There is some value to this idea of having a vision, sort of, and, and to set your mind towards something uh, as the new year comes. There's something compelling about sort of drawing a line in a moment in time, and it's just convenient that it happens to be a moment when the year number changes, right? The end of the year. And saying, from this point, here's what I dream of for the next 12 months. There's something compelling about being able to say that. There's something sort of galvanizing about it. And being able to say, from this point on, here's what I want the next 12 months to be like, and here's the part that I am going to play in it, right? It sort of, it sort of it creates some energy. So as we stand here, right, at the precipice, at the cusp of, of, of turning the calendar from 2023 through 2024, I want to invite you to take a moment and actually consider that. As you think of your life for the next 12 months, what are you dreaming of? What do you dream of for 2024? What are you hoping for 2024? What are you longing for in 2024? Now, there are some hopes that we might describe for 2024 that we have a significant part to play in seeing come to pass, right? I'm hoping, one of the things I'm hoping is to build on the progress I made in my physical health in 2023. And in order for that to happen, there are choices that I need to make, different choices than what I've made over the last few weeks, but choices I need to make uh, for that to be true. And if I don't make those choices, and it doesn't matter how much I hoped and dreamed about it here, they're not going to come to pass, right? Because I'm going to be working against my hopes and dreams. But there are also some hopes, some dreams that we may have for the new year that require much more than our effort. In fact, our effort might not make much of a difference. They might require something or someone else to intervene, something or someone else to act. Do you have some of those hopes? For 2024? Do you have hopes for change to happen? Do you have hopes for growth to happen? Do you have hope for relationships to sort of transform? Do you have hopes for things to come to pass that are outside your control, but you long for them to be true in 2024? 
What do you do with those hopes? Who do you look to? Who do you place your hope to, in? Who are you looking to for those hopes to come to pass in 2024? Just a week ago, we celebrated Jesus as the hope of Christmas. At Jesus' birth, we talked about God initiating a work to repair what was broken in our world. The way he goes about doing this, this work of repairing the brokenness in our world, makes him worth hoping in. It makes him worth trusting with our hopes and longings, with our dreams. On Christmas Eve, we focused on part of the passage that Robert just read. This passage comes from the book of Isaiah, a book that was written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, but even before the birth of Jesus, people believed that that passage alluded to not just something that was occurring in the moment, in the time of Isaiah, but it was making reference to something that the people had hoped for and longed for for millennia, and that they were hoping and longing for even then. That it was talking about their hoped-for Messiah, their Savior, the Redeemer, the one that God would send who would repair what was broken. The passage we focused on on Christmas Eve is the one that Robert said was his favorite, the one that talked about the child being born, the one that talked about the government being on his shoulders, the one that called him wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace and everlasting father, and so much more. It talked about the child that would carry the fate of the world, the destinies of humanity on his shoulder. And from his birth, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus does this. He carries the destinies of humanity. He carries the fate of our world on his shoulder. And he carries it with justice, with righteousness, and with peace. Let me tell you, a future built on justice, on righteousness, and on peace is a good future. It's a desirable future. It's one that any one of us would want to live. It's one that if we dreamed of what 2024 would look like for us, if 2024 ended up being one that was marked by more justice, more righteousness, and more peace in our lives and in our world, we would think that was a good year. That was a good year. And we see signs of it in the present. We may see signs of it in 2024. And we long for its ultimate fulfillment in the age to come. Because there will be a day where all there will be is justice and righteousness and peace, among other things. And that is a world worth longing for. That is an eternity worth desiring. It is worth putting our hope and trust in someone who can deliver and has delivered that. All these things make Jesus worth hoping in. On Christmas Eve, we also talked about the titles in the passage. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and how those titles address needs we all have one at one point or another. The needs for guidance, the need for wisdom, the need for truth, the need for strength, the need for healing, the need for breakthrough, the need for forgiveness, the need for peace, and so much more. Maybe you have some of those needs right now. I'll say them again. The need for guidance, the need for truth, the need for wisdom, the need for strength, the need for breakthrough, the need for forgiveness, the need for peace. If you have those needs and have not placed your trust, your hope in Jesus, you can do that today. 
because Jesus delivers those things. He addresses those needs. And again, all those things make him worth trusting in, make him worth hoping in, make him worth depositing our hopes in. Today, we're going to focus on the other parts of the passage because the other parts of the passage paint a picture of what we can hope for when we place our trust in Jesus. Maybe one or more of those ring true for you as you look to 2024. Maybe, when we, maybe as we talk about them, you see yourself resonating with one of them and saying, I want that in 2024. I want that in 2024. So as we go through them, would you, would you, would you look to yourself to see if there's a sense of a tug in your spirit, a tug in your soul, something that says, I need that in 2024. And would you consider putting your hope then in Jesus for those things? Uh, in present time, what is known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, these series of, of superhero movies, is kind of sort of waning in its popularity. But a few years ago, it was the thing. People sort of anxiously awaited the next Marvel release. And sort of the peak of this was the movie Avengers Endgame. There's this uh, scene in Avengers Endgame, and you don't need to have watched the movie. You don't even need to have liked any of the superhero movies to, to sort of follow along. But there's this scene where one of the heroes is fighting against who I'm going to call the big bad evil guy for this series. He's like the unbeatable foe. And, he's, he, and, and, and this is like the hero that is like the most winsome and likable hero. His name is Captain America. Even by his name, you know he's a good guy, right? He's a good guy. He fights hard. He never gives up. Even when the odds are stacked against him, he's like, uh, I'm ready for more. But the battle is wearing on him. The battle is wearing on him. And you see this moment where he's looking to get back up to take one more stab at the bad guy who he's not been able to even put a dent in. And you can tell that he's right about his limits. He's right about at his limits. That he's starting to consider that maybe this challenge is too much for him. Maybe this is the one that's going to end with defeat. And then all of a sudden, he hears sort of a message, a voice, in his sort of ear intercom. He hears it, and all of a sudden, portals open all around him. And out of those portals, just suspend disbelief, it's a superhero movie, we're already along for the ride, Heroes from all over the world walk through, walk through, and they join Cap. They stand by his side. Now, let me tell you, on the other side is not just the big, bad, evil guy, but is a huge, immense army. Victory is not secured just because all these heroes have shown up. But when the camera turns back to Cap, now his face looks like this. Because what you can see in him is a sense of relief and resolve. Because he is not alone anymore. There's still a battle to be fought. There is new resolve in him because he sees that relief and help have come. And what's true, what we see in that, in that image is true for us as well. When we can see or know that relief and help are coming, we face challenges and adversity with new vigor, with renewed strength, because we know that at some point or another, the tide will change. The tide has to change. 
And that is part of what is being communicated in one of the sections of this passage. The section that said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a new light has dawned. That's where the people were feeling. They were feeling defeat. They had been sort of carried into exile. They had lost battles. The tide had turned against them, and they were wondering whether help was going to come. And Isaiah promises that help is coming. Relief is coming. The tide will change. Now, you may find yourself in a similar situation just now, feeling like you're just struggling and fighting against adversity and challenges. You're just trying to get through something, and you're wondering if it will come to pass. You were wondering if it will come to an end, or maybe you find yourself living resigned in a state of perpetual struggle and simply thinking, this is just the way it's going to be. There's no use hoping for it to not get for it to get better because it simply hasn't and it likely won't. And what's the point in hoping only to get disappointed? But here's a promise. It's the promise in this passage and it's the promise to us as well in Jesus. We can hope for a relief because relief has been promised to come. All of humanity, the entire world, was hoping and longing for relief. There are passages in the scripture that talk about creation groaning in its longing for deliverance, for relief to come, and that relief comes in Jesus. And we see some of that relief already at play, and we will see it come to pass ultimately in the age to come. But there is relief that comes for all of us. So whether you find yourself struggling and you're wondering whether the light is ever going to come at the end of this dark tunnel, or whether you've simply settled for a life that is darkness and have given up on hope, because what is the point if all there is going to be is disappointment? Let me invite you to look to Jesus. Because in him there is light. Because in him, a new dawn has come. Today, you can place your hope in Jesus. And you can find that hoped for relief that you either have been longing for or you've given up longing for, but you still need. You can hope in Jesus in 2024. And relief will come. Because relief has come. Relief is coming. Relief will come. The passage goes on to say a whole lot. Talks about the nation being enlarged and the joy being increased. It uses language of, of agriculture and harvest, language of battle and language of oppression. Isaiah is writing to a people who've experienced military defeat and exile. And the language here reflects, reflects both their lived experience and their reality before that lived experience. So the, the language of hope here is very particular to what they were longing for, what they were needing, what they were looking for, what they were hoping in, in their current condition. But even though, even though that's true, there is still something here for us. So let me distill some principles from this text. Among the things that are promised are an enlarging of the nation and an increase in their joy. Now, to a people who are either stuck or on a downturn, this would be, have been a significant shift to their current state. Because they're either stuck in exile, or they're in a downturn where their, their fortunes are falling. So this is a turn for them. Because what they get to do now is that they get to hope that they will be able to delight 
in greater fruitfulness and responsibility. Right? The enlargement of the nation is a sign of fruitfulness. It's a sign of blessing. Right? They will have more responsibility. There will be more to do. And you and I get to hope in that as well. We get to hope that we'll be able to take pleasure and joy in fruitfulness or in greater responsibility. So as you look to 2024, are you hoping for those things? Do you need those things? Are you longing for a season where you see fruitfulness, either in your work or in your relationships or in your own development? You can hope for that from Jesus because that's part of what the Savior brings. Are you hoping for an increase in your responsibility? Maybe a new task to take on. Maybe a blessing from God in that. You can hope for Jesus in that. Take a moment to consider what you'd like your 2024 to be like. And if there is something of that in it for you, ask Jesus to deliver it. Ask Jesus to bring it. In addition to this, Isaiah really leans into, in this passage, an idea of joy, an idea of delight, an idea of gladness. And part of what he does in that section is he paints a picture of all sorts of ways that that joy, that gladness, that delight are going to manifest. He starts with this picture of people celebrating in harvest time. So take a moment and picture, if you have any familiarity with agriculture, and even if you don't, maybe try to sort of lean into that, what would bring joy to people at harvest time? Like if you're picturing people harvesting their crops, what would produce in them joy? What would cause them to be elated? An abundance. What would cause them to be elated is to stand back as they look at their whole harvest and know confidently that they have more than enough to get them through to the next season. That they can be at peace, knowing that what they did was fruitful, that God blessed it in abundance. Looking out at the harvest and knowing that it was a good year and that you had more than enough food to get to a good seat, to get through to the next season, would bring about joy. So perhaps, as you look to 2024, there's something in this for you to hope for. Perhaps, perhaps what you long to hope for is for provision, for a sense that your need, that my need, that our needs are going to be taken care of. If you're wondering if that's all up to you, it is not. Is, do you have a part to play? More than likely. But part of, what the, part of what God has promised to bring about through Jesus is that provision. Our needs taken care of. This is a big source of worry in our society. It's a big source of worry for some of us either because we have experienced and lived through scarcity or because we have people who depend on us. We want to make sure that we have enough to provide for them. We don't want to see them in a desperate situation. And what Jesus gives us is a promise of enough. A promise of enough. For those of you that struggle with that, who struggle through scarcity, who hustle a lot and are always wondering if you need to struggle more, if you need to do more, if you've done enough, if all the needs are going to be provided for, I want you to sit with that word for a second. What would your world be like if you had a deep and abiding sense of enough? Of there being enough. 
How would that affect how you carried about your work? How would that affect how you thought about your resources? How would that affect how you thought about your time? How would that affect how you thought about your future? Folks, you can have this in Jesus. You can have enough. Perhaps your invitation in 2024 is to start to put your hope and trust in Jesus for that. For the enough. A couple of the images that Isaiah uses are connected to fighting, to battle, and to war. He talks about rejoicing as warriors do when they divide the plunder, which feels like a really, really, really foreign image to us. He talks about the battle gear, the bloody battle gear being tossed in the fire to be burned, and these feel like passages that we just need to write off and ignore because they're part of a different time. But here's what I want us to capture. In both of those images, what is happening and what is not happening is noteworthy. What is not happening is that there's no more battle. That there's no more need to fight. The battle is done. The victory is won. And for those who had grown accustomed to battle, there is permission to move on to something else. That's why they get, they get to burn their battle clothes. That's why they get to burn their battle gear. That's why they get to burn their battle boots, because the fighting is done. They will have no more need of them. They have permission to move on to what comes after. Maybe it feels like most of your life or maybe most of the last season has been a fighting season. Maybe you've been fighting for something. Maybe you've been fighting against something. Maybe fight is the mode that you will find yourself in, maybe for a long time. Friends, it doesn't take long to grow weary from battle. It doesn't take long to grow weary from always fighting. It doesn't take long to be in a condition where it feels like fighting is your reality forever and ever. Here's what is true. Jesus has won the ultimate victory. Jesus has won that ultimate victory, and that ultimate victory impacts every area of life. It doesn't just impact where we spend our eternity. It impacts the day-to-day. So in 2024, here is a promise for you. You can hope for peace. You can hope for relief, for an intense struggle to reach its conclusion. You may have thought, it's never going to end. This is just going to be my reality, but you can hope that it will reach its conclusion as you trust in Jesus and hope in him. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to be wrapped up in the 12 months of 2024, but there's something that changes in us, even in how we engage in the struggle, when we experience the hope and the trust and the faith that it will come to an end, that it will come to an end someday soon. Because we've trusted the one who has accomplished it. We've trusted the one who has ended the battle that seemed unending, the battle with death, the battle with sin. He ended it decisively once and for all. There is no battle that we are fighting that he has not won the victory over, that he cannot bring to a conclusion. Perhaps this is what you might need to hope for in 2024. The last thing I want to highlight from the passage in the the area of hopes is this idea that the things that were oppressing them were going to be removed. Isaiah talks about the yoke that burdens them being shattered along with the rod of their oppressor. It's an image of freedom, 
Not just an image of freedom temporarily, but an image of a freedom that can't be taken away because the yoke and the rod aren't just removed, they are shattered. They are rendered unusable. They are rendered powerless. The instruments of oppression are irreparably broken. Now, there are all sorts of things that oppress us or might oppress us. There are all sorts of things that might weigh us down. You may be feeling some of them today. There are all sorts of things that might control us to an extent. Can you think of the ones that have been true in your life? That have felt like they're weighing you down. That have felt like they're oppressing you. That have felt like they are keeping you from standing tall and standing in freedom. The things that feel like they've just got their hooks into you. And are controlling you. You can't seem to break free of them. You can't seem to shake them. What if 2024 was the year that you experienced freedom? Not just a momentary escape, but freedom. Where the hold that those things have on you is irreparably broken. Jesus is all about setting the captives free. There is no chain he can't break. There is no burden he can't lift. The scriptures tell us that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. In Him, we can finally hope for freedom from what has oppressed us. And we can know that it will come to pass because we were made for freedom in Him. You and I were not made for the burden, for the weighing down, for the oppression, for the control, for the shackles and things that have their hooks into us. You and I were not destined for that. You and I were made for freedom. Jesus has won that for us. The Isaiah passage closes with a phrase that's easy to gloss over after all this powerful imagery. It says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. These promises from God, these things that we can hope for are not empty promises. They are not platitudes. The maker of heaven and earth has set his will, has set his desire, has set his passion, has set his energy to seeing these things come to pass. And if he set his things to that, they will happen. He is committed to seeing these promises fulfilled for all those who put his trust in him. And that makes these things worth hoping for. Because hoping is risking. Hoping is risking. It is risky to hope because when you, when you hope, you risk disappointment. You risk being let down. I hear that. I felt that and so have you. But the maker of heaven and earth has committed himself to these things. The one who defeated death has committed himself to these things. The one who overcame the forces of the evil one has committed himself to these things. It's worth the risk, folks. It's worth the risk. They will come to pass. Greater fruitfulness. Increased responsibility. Provision. Peace. An end to a struggle. Freedom from what has oppressed us. What are you hoping for in 2024? I want to give you a moment to consider